Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. A husband once asked his wife, why do you cut the front end and the back end of the turkey off before you put it in the oven? He'd seen her do it every Thanksgiving they were married. And she didn't know either, so she called up her mom. Mom, I've always seen you do this thing. Why do you cut off the front end and the back end of the turkey when you put it in the the oven? Her mom didn't know either. I always saw my mom do it. So they called up grandma. Grandma, why did you cut off the front end and the back end of the turkey when you put it in the oven? I've been doing it all my life. And their grandmother laughed and said, why are you doing that? I just had a really small oven. Sometimes we will become so accustomed to things and they'll be, we'll internalize them so much that we just accept them as truth. See, Jesus comes and he blows up all kinds of paradigms. He turns over all sorts of preconceived ideas, so much so that they couldn't stand him. He was rejected because of the truths that he would speak. We as Christians, we are called to live differently, to live backwards to the world that we're in. Here's a few questions that I thought were interesting. What is a Christian supposed to do when attacked? Reputation, physically. What if doing the right thing means incurring loss? What if telling the truth makes you lose friends? A reputation. What if we're taken advantage of for being generous because we're God's people? At what point do we take care of ourselves? There's a story in the Old Testament. It's in the book of Daniel, chapter 5. And it's the Babylonian king. His name is Belshazzar. Kind of fun to say. Belshazzar sees that the Persian army is near. They are the world power right now. And he doesn't have long. So Belshazzar throws a party. He throws a huge party and everyone of of repute comes to his party and he releases like tons and tons of of alcohol and food and even like brings his own like concubines in for the party and stuff like that. And people were kind of like finicky about their concubines. And so this is this massive orgy party that they're throwing. And in the middle of this, they saw something that made their knees. The Bible says that their knees weakened and their hips buckled because they were so terrified. They saw the figure of a hand and fingers begin to write on the wall over their party. And they had no idea what the writing meant. Party ended. And so the the king, Belshazzar, called in all the astrologers and, and magicians and soothsayers and all the wise men, and he tried to have them figure out what it said, and they couldn't figure it out. And his mother said, or grandmother said, your father, Nebuchadnezzar, had a man that he depended on for wisdom. His name was Daniel. You should see what he has to say. So they bring Daniel in, and Daniel comes, and he interprets it, and he says, King, you're not going to like it. In essence, in short, it means your days are numbered, and they're over. You've been weighed, you've been measured, you've been found wanting, and your kingdom is going to be 
divided. And that night, the king was assassinated and the city was taken over by the Persians. This had a flip side consequence in that the first king of the Persians, Cyrus, was the one to release the Israelites from bondage to go home to Israel. And so this new kingdom came in and it supplanted the former kingdom and it brought freedom to God's people. There was a revolution that happened in that moment. We've been talking about Jesus. We looked at his birth. We looked at his baptism, his temptation in the wilderness. We had a turning point where he began his ministry and they tried to throw him off a mountain for it. We've talked about amazing things that he's done, miracles. And tonight we're going to get to his first big sermon. Matthew calls it a sermon on the mount. This was obviously a sermon that Jesus gave multiple times. This time he happens to be standing on a plane, flat space. And we're going to look at the first handful of verses. Turn in your Bibles or look up here at Luke 6. We're going to start in 17. Now, after he does this, he's going to open with what we call the Beatitudes. He's going to give some parables that support those Beatitudes. He's going to have this amazing encounter where he heals a centurion's servant. And because the centurion understands authority, Jesus says that he has great faith. And then immediately after, he does something. If you all remember Ben last week, he spoke, Pastor Ben Bufkin, he spoke on saying, look how Jesus had compassion. He reached out and touched the leper. The person that no one else would get close to, Jesus had compassion and reached out and touched him and made himself uh, ritually unclean. And Jesus does that again in a whole different situation. There is a dead boy going by in a funeral procession. His mom is a widow. And Jesus again has compassion and goes over and touches and makes himself unclean and raises the boy from the dead. Powerful story. But we're going to kind of zoom in on the Beatitudes. There is an upside down kingdom that Jesus is establishing. We're going to start in verse 17. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and with a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. Then he lifted up his eyes toward his disciples and said, Blessed are you poor. Pause right there. Matthew has the Beatitudes, and Matthew actually makes it a little bit more spiritual and says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Remember I told you at the very beginning, Luke is concerned about right here, right now, about people. And so when he is relaying Jesus' information, he is making this specific to people in need that are in front of Jesus. And so Jesus says, you're blessed if you're poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and cast you out, saying your name is evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you will hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. I want us to go one more verse. Just pay attention. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully abuse you. 
Jesus is coming and he is flipping things upside down. Colossians 3.1 makes this so clear. It says this. If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. You have verse 2? I'll read verse 2. Sorry about that, Kyle. That's my bad. Set your mind on things above and not things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is in our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. See, God has a kingdom. Jesus in Luke is declaring the morning of a new kingdom that is coming in and it's going to displace, replace, and kick out the old kingdom. And his kingdom will bring freedom. And Jesus is trying to make this clear. He's trying to drive this home. And what he's going to do is he's going to flip the values upside down. Listen to this. We are either a citizen of God or we are a citizen of the world. There is no in-between. You can't have one foot in each camp and try to keep your ground steady. We are either serving God as our master, our Lord, our Savior, our King, or we are serving self. So which kingdom are you in? Are you in the kingdom of God? Or are you in the kingdom of self? I want to talk about the second kingdom first. It's the second half of this, the verses 24 through 26, and he is saying some really hard stuff. He's saying, woe to people who have riches. He's trying to convey, those of you who are striving for power, be careful. It's not going to go well. Be careful, those of you who are seeking to be comforted, comfort, seeking to be fed. Woe to you who are seeking that success. Woe to you for those who are seeking reputation because you have your consolation now. It's a kingdom of hedonism, a kingdom of self, of pursuing things that are temporary. The flip side of this is God is saying, pay attention. You're blessed when you're poor. Think, oh man, totally off topic. Think about it this way. We can either come to God saying, God, I am nothing. Without your grace, I am, I'm empty. Without your breath, I'm dead. Lord, everything that I have is because of you. And it's and, and in your justice, I deserve obliteration. And so I'm having to lean on your mercy. I'm having to lean on your sacrifice. That's poor in spirit. That's kingdom of God. Or we can say, God, I'm a pretty good person. I've, I've really tried hard to be good. And you know what? You owe me a little bit. You owe me that at least you'll keep bad things from happening in my life. At least you, you'll keep me from being sick or, or the, my loved ones. At least you'll, you'll do these things because you, you owe me a little bit. That's the kingdom of self. That's called being middle class in spirit. One is a kingdom of God. One is a kingdom of self. Blessed are those who are poor, who, who are weak. Blessed are those who are uncomfortable, who are hungry. Blessed are those who are dealing with pain. Blessed are those who are excluded and hated. You, everything in me, personally, I won't speak for you, but everything in me 
avoids discomfort and pain and poor reputation. Everything in me drives everything I can against that and, and pulls for, for riches and for comforts and, and, and all of these things. I don't know about you, but that's the way I am. That's the way I feel like I'm hardwired. And Jesus is saying, I've got a different kingdom than what you understand, Tom. You see, because the kingdom of self, that right side up kingdom, that triangle that's pointed upwards, it's temporary. It's empty. It's shallow. It's, it's anchored in things that are disappearing and going away. Things that can be stolen, things that can rust and, and, and vanish. You know, if, if I was to believe that now was all there was, if I, if I didn't have a vision of the future, if I believed that I was the center of my world and I was the king of my own heart, then to live a life of seeking pleasure, hedonistic life, makes perfect sense. But the problem is that it doesn't last. That right-side-up kingdom isn't dependable. It's shallow. It's empty. And it's nothing more than a Belshazzar party. It's nothing more than the swan song of destruction that's coming. Woe to you that that destruction is near. Because if I put my anchor in beauty, beauty fades. If I put my anchor in accomplishments, you know, someone's going to come behind me and do even better. If I put my, my anchor in popularity, something's going to go downhill. Whatever we put our anchor in, it's unstable, it's shallow, it's empty, and it's temporary. My point number two is, in this kingdom, Jesus flips everything, and he tells us to put prize, to value weakness, to prize pain. That's crazy. Now, he's not saying to seek it. You're not supposed to go, like, like immediately, like, give all your money away and live destitute. Like, that's not what he's saying. But he's saying that whether you have it or not, you are not under its control. That we value those times whenever we have not. Paul says that whether I have or I don't have, I'm good. He says that I, I can do anything in Christ's strength because it's him. I know how to live with, with a lot. I know how to live with a little. Philippians 4. We don't seek that stuff, but we learn to embrace the beauty of what God is doing in weakness and what God is doing in hunger and what God is doing when our reputation goes down the drain because we serve Jesus. What value do these things have right now? What's the point of seeking one over the other? Think about this. Think about two women with the same job, and they're both in a situation where if they tell the truth, they're going to lose their job. One woman serves the right-side-up kingdom. One woman serves the upside-down kingdom. Now think, who is going to be manipulated into sacrificing their character? It's going to be the one living in the right-side-up kingdom. Why? Because... Her job is important to her. her. Her comforts, the notoriety, the pleasures, the things that come with having the money, having the job, the stability, the safety, the security, all those things, those are in control and she is not able to be free and be the woman that God is calling her to be. But the woman that lives in the upside down kingdom says, my God provides all my needs according to his riches and glory. That if I'll seek the kingdom first, he'll provide everything that I need. She can step out and be free because she's not controlled by the wants and the cares of this world. One is a slave. The other is free. One serves self and the other serves Jesus. 
Point three there is freedom in serving the upside down kingdom because we're not bound by wealth or comfort, success, reputation. We are free to fight injustice. My bride who, who fights constantly against abortion, she is fighting a very unpopular battle, but you know what? She's free to do so because she's not bound by her reputation or bound what people say about her. She is able to fight injustice. You know, we have injustice all around us every day. I remember Jeremy Smith standing up here and he said, who is the person that's hard to love? Who is the person who is hard to be seen loving? If you live in an upside down kingdom, it doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter what you lose. They're worth it. Jesus is worth it because he gave everything for me. You're free to do us right and stand for truth. Free to sacrifice whatever it takes. You're free from bitterness, from serving unforgiveness. From social constructs, loss, discomfort, and pain, we're free from serving those things. And Jesus is our perfect model because he did it himself. He reversed fortunes. You know why it says, blessed are the poor for they are going to receive the kingdom. Blessed are those who hunger because they're going to be filled. Because we have a kingdom coming. We have a filling coming. We have laughter coming. Because Jesus took my weakness and he took my pain and he took those things so that he could flip the kingdom upside down and say, I'm taking this so Dom, you can be full of joy and be strong. God had through Jesus is our perfect king because he took that pain, that rejection, so that I could be accepted by my father. He flips it upside down and he reverses the fortune so that we are blessed. That is cool. Blessed are those who hunger. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who are rejected. Let's take this one step further. Because <laughs> this is where the rubber hits the road, y'all. Jesus reverses our fortunes so that I can reverse fortunes with the people around me. Did that click? Because if Jesus would give it all for me, then I am called to give it all for the people around me. To be generously to the point of being taken advantage of to love so much that there is a risk of emotional damage, to give it all. Are we supposed to waste money? No, but we're supposed to give to the point that it's scary. Why? Because we don't serve money anymore. We serve God and he provides my needs. We put the kingdom of heaven first and all these things will be added to us. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's enough worries for itself. Let's deal with today. Let's serve the upside down kingdom today. I can love recklessly with my time, my gifts, my talents, my energy. In both perspective and actions, Jesus calls those in his kingdom to live an upside-down model. Will you serve people and love people recklessly? It's hard. But we serve a king who did it for us. Will you have the courage to love recklessly? What an amazing last song. They had no idea that that was going to be part of this message. But we sang about it. I want to close with this before we go to e-groups. Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 21 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, 
but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys, where thieves do not break into steal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is too. We are called to live in an upside down kingdom. It's scary. It's backwards. And you know what? If you get hit, you're supposed to turn the other cheek and get hit again. Why? Because Jesus says submission is more important than violence. Can we trust him? He did it. He never cried out in his beating. Maybe we ought to stop having the conversation of, well, maybe we shouldn't give to the hobos because maybe they'll waste it. What did Tori say? That Jesus loved whether we're going to accept it or not, whether our motives are right or not. You know, one of the things it says in this Luke passage that ticks me off is it says in verse 35, but love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. Get this. For he, talking about God, is kind to the unthankful and evil. The hardest person for me to be good to is the person that's not grateful. But God is kind to them. I'm ready to get to E-groups. Y'all, I know it hurts. I know it's scary. But if we will serve the upside-down kingdom of Jesus Christ, we're going to be blessed. Not because of what we do, not because it all works out in our checkbook, but because of the God that we serve, who is our King. Heavenly Father, give us the courage to do the hard things. Give us the discipline and the self-control to serve and to love recklessly because you first recklessly loved us. You, God, are our King. Thank you, God, for being the transcendent God that spins galaxies and the personal God that listens to the prayer of a child. Open up our minds in small groups. Anoint this time. In Jesus' name, amen.